Hey, it's Travis. I have a special announcement to make in our December 1st episode, and it's kind of long, so I'm going to pretend this episode's announcements are uh, the December ones. Okay. Wow. December is here already. We've had a very big year, thanks to you. We got our Patreon up and running, which is no easy thing, I can tell you. We made some new friends who killed our old friends and now seem to be checking in their old guests. We started a few new projects that we'll announce in December and next year. Patrons who listen to We Made the Hotel know what I'm talking about. Official announcement on the 15th. And we added Pacific to our credits. I got to work with some artists I've been a longtime fan of. Mark and Kelly got engaged. I got a new headset. And they did a Deep Space Nine episode of Lower Decks. Big year all over. If you're new, thank you for joining us this year. If you're not, thank you for sticking around. Everyone, everyone, enjoy this vintage bonus episode, very inspired and influenced by the 2011 Tintin movie. Uh, So check that out, I guess. Beautiful postcard by hotel superfan Ryoshi Sasaki. We will get all those old postcards, uh, all those old postcard designs up on the store in 2023, I promise you. Um... And as always, for more bonus episodes like this one, join our Patreon. The Bakery... (laughs) The Bakery came out today for patrons. You could be listening to that by supper time. Not to mention it won't have the oddly placed ad right in the middle of Mark doing his thing. Speaking of which, let's set a course for open waters on the ship. must be raining outside. Water drips down from the ceiling of my supply closet. It splatters off the bare bulb hanging above me, changing the light into something murky and brownish as it sways. Somewhere far away, the pipes groan. I've been here a long time again, I think. The light swings a little more with each new drop that trickles down the chain. It's not quite as good as a clock, but the rhythm is... comforting. The groaning gets closer, then turns into skittering, hissing clicks. Something soggy and misshapen gets pushed from the farthest shadows in the back of my closet... And when I crouch down to look at it, the wooden floor beneath me creaks with my shifting weight. It's one of the books left behind by a guest. The cover has a painting of a man on it in a big open white shirt. He's got a bandana on his head and a big belt. I haven't read this one. I've been meaning to. The man looks afraid. His eyes are wide open. He's being threatened by another man in a heavy coat with brass buttons. A man with dark hair and a great big bushy beard and a a sword. Someone else 
is swinging in on a rope behind them both, though. Cutting through the rain with a sword on fire that lights up their eyes under the very, very big hat they're wearing. The light bulb is swinging, too. The shadows rock across the wooden shelves and dirty walls around me. Water drips onto the cover, and the figures seem to bend and move under the thick blobs. A trick of the light. The sword comes down slowly. A trick of the shadows. The man in the bandana leans back. I open the book and lean back, too. The wood creaks again beneath me. If I close my eyes, it's almost like I'm there. On the ocean. Sailing on an old pirate ship. The ship bobs violently and I fall backwards onto the floor of my cabin. We're sailing into a storm. I'll be needed on deck. All hands and movement are signaled through the ship. The first mate isn't going to be happy with the last man on deck. I stuff one foot roughly into my boot and stumble into the cramped, dark passageway through the stocks. The ship rolls, and I'm knocked into the bulkhead while I stuff a soggy foot into my other boot. It's dark and loud, but I know I'm nearly alone. Rats and runs of water are the only things moving down here, other than me. I run past large barrels as fast as I dare, as fast as the storm will let me to the ladders leading up and out. I know I'm the last one. So far behind that even when I show up, it'll still be a disappointment. The first mate is not going to be happy at all. The crew will be busy with the storm, busy with the work, but my lateness won't go without comment. Punishment. I pause at the bottom of the ladder steps. Lightning catches a bright spray of sea foam in the sails above me. The sky is dark and getting darker. However bad it is, I know it's going to get worse. I tuck in my shirt and tighten the bandana that stops just over my eyes. Something hot and acidic jumps up from my stomach and dies in my throat. I swallow and try to push my fears down with it. It's not my first storm out here, but I know it's going to be the worst any of us has ever seen. Except maybe the captain. The ship tilts up sharply, cresting on a wave, and I grab hold of the ladder, letting the sudden lurch forward launch me up and onto the main deck, into the chaos. The ship lurches deeper than I expected, and 
I spill onto the deck, sliding and scraping in the slick rain. A boot on my shoulder stops me from getting lost in the gushes of salt water. I look up into the frowning face of the first mate. I knuckle my forehead and try to explain myself, but all that comes out is a watery coughing fit. She bellows a string of commands and swears at me so strong that even my nearby crewmates work a little faster. Two of them jerk me to my feet. They have faces just like mine. Their joints work quickly but stiffly in the cold rain, just like mine. Two dozen men, indistinguishable from me, indefatigable, like me, fighting for their lives, fighting the ocean herself. I join in, securing the guns while the others run shot and sword below. The thick ropes are rough with salt water and slick with rain water. Two men help set the cannon with me. They have ropes tied around themselves, so they have to be careful not to get tangled. If it goes overboard with them tied to it, every sailor knows the noise and violence of the storm is nothing. Nothing compared to the quiet, crushing calm below. A wave buckles the securing lines, and the gun rocks back. The rope sizzles out of my hands, and I don't have time to marvel at the smoke rising from my palms because I'm once again sliding across the deck. It groans for me. I hit something, or something hits me. Lightning flashes behind my eyes this time. One of the crew shouts something vile at me. My hands are raw. I'm soaked, and my head is buzzing. The first mate is shouting at me again, pointing. The sails are unfurling, or weren't secured in the first place. It's getting darker. I scuttle forward, climbing over the hatches. The sail slips more, and ropes and Ties snap in the wind like whips. The crew around me is hastily securing everything they can. A wave crashes down on us, and I'm no longer the only one splayed out helplessly on the deck. We scramble to help each other up. We don't look to the first mate. We don't look at the ocean. We look at each other. Hurry, their eyes say. If the storm doesn't take us, she will, they say. Eyes like mine. Fear like mine. I nod at them, and they nod back. Across the deck, another man with eyes like ours slips at the hold, and I can't see if he fell onto the deck or went over the side. Another man takes his place. Everywhere in the darkness, men with my face shout and 
bleed and rush and die, and the ship sails on, relentless as the storm, endless as the sea. I start my climb up the mast to furl the mainsail. I can't see anything above me except the rain and darkness. Lightning bubbles in the storm there, and I can see the clouds roiling as much as the ocean is. The flashes of light let me see the silhouette of the sail and crow's nest above. I'm not halfway up before a bolt of lightning breaks through the storm, arcing itself into the mast, catching on the sail. The heat flash dries my face. The concussion blows me back onto the deck. I bowl over a half-dozen crew dressed like me. Small barrels of powder roll in every direction. Rope and wood rain down on top of me, and I curl up to protect my face and body. I feel a heavy thump. Shudder the entire deck, as a man lands heavily on both feet. He was in the crow's nest. He likes it up there. He straightens up, teeth bared and grinding through his beard, black jacket billowing around him, that awful old bird somehow still perched on his shoulder. As the flaming sail and top of the mast roars into the ocean behind him, everyone on board hears the first mate's words cut through the storm. Captain on deck. Hey, this is Travis with a brief ad break. Thanks for listening. Now back to the hotel. He stands above me, furious and firelit in the rain. His ship is cracking around him, and I think he blames me. I try to explain that I had only just arrived and I was trying to save the sail, but all that comes out is gibbering. He pulls his pistol out and his bird screeches at me. The ship slams bow headlong into a wave and even the old dog's sea legs give him the slip. His shot goes wild, striking a barrel of powder and blasting a hole in the railing sending deadly splinters in every direction. Three more of the crew are down. The captain's fury is notorious even at the height of plunder and adventure. Tonight, there is nothing that frightens the crew more. He grabs me roughly and draws his sword. Before that cutlass can take me, the ship dips deep on the wave and cuts starboard as she slams back down. I can see the helmsman has a wooden splinter the size of a dagger jutting out from his throat. Blood is running freely down his shirt, and he stares blankly at nothing with my face. He's dead. Limp on the wheel, 
turning us dangerously away from the next crest. Sir, I shout as I point aft. He bellows unintelligibly and drops me to the deck with the flaming wreckage at his feet. But it's too late. He barely makes it a meter before the ocean grabs the side of the ship and climbs aboard. I don't know how many slide out the ragged gap in the railing, but when my vision clears, even the dead helmsman has been washed away. My only salvation was getting tangled in the burning ropes from the wasted mast on the deck. The captain's own fury kept his boots where they were, and his bird croaks out a warning to the next man who dies on his watch. His coat plumes up, and his boots barely scrape the deck as he leaps, practically flies, to the wheel. He tries to turn her back into the storm, up the waves and onward. But without a sail, we're at the mercy of the ocean. And every mother's child who sails her knows what kind of mercy they can expect. The crew begins to panic. I begin to panic. The moon has long abandoned us, and all we have to see are the fires that will burn us down before we have time to drown. A cannon rolls with the rocking ship, crushing the man against the cabin bulkhead. He screams with my voice. Another gets caught in the rigging as the mast continues to buckle. It yanks him up just high enough that no one can cut him down as he strangles. Four of the crew have kept their heads enough to try and push the burning debris and kindling overboard. When their boots fail, they grab the heavy wood with their bare hands. One of them, shirt probably flecked with lamp oil and gunpowder, catches fire. The others can't lift it without him. The fire spreads to his mates as his wits are burned away, leaving only desperate, clinging attempts to survive. I wonder if before this night is through, I'll burn with them. The ship careens as the rudder struggles against the full force of the ocean with nothing but rope and the captain's pure hate to keep it true. The main mast buckles again, and cordage snaps across the length of the ship. I watch three crewmen split into seven pieces. One of them is still alive. The mast tilts like timber in the wood, creaking and bursting in the wind, taking with it the last fool's hope. It comes crashing down, what's left of it, onto the helm. The captain dives out of the way, for the second time tonight, barely escaping a fiery death by his own mainsail. A great explosion of spark and flame where he just stood lights up the sea around us for a brief and 
horrible moment. In the waves, I almost thought a face. And in that booming crash, I heard, just below the thunder, the terrible sound of a woman laughing. The captain's dive landed him just a few feet from where I still lay, wrapped and cowering at the sudden destruction I cannot control around me. His gun, his bird, and his sanity are gone. He's lost more than that, he knows. He's lost his ship, too. He can't blame himself. He can't blame the sea. All that's left is me. The fire is spreading fore and aft. The deck crumbles, leaving holes that expose the decks below. Empty now, except for water and corpses. Promises from the future. The fires burn so quickly and so hotly that it's spread to his eyes. Burning above his beard, he draws his sword and uses it as leverage to stand. I try to stand too, but the ship is still bobbing more erratically than ever now, and the best I can do is a nervous crouch on a coil of rope. The sea can take your body, cabin boy, he growls at me. But your life is mine. Lightning flashes, and he raises his arm high enough to cut me in half when he brings it down. I can't even put up my arm to try and stop him. But he stopped anyway. My first mate. Coat missing, hat missing, hair burnt off on one side, has her sword stuck straight out, catching his before the blow is struck. The captain's responsibility is to himself and his ship. Hers is to the crew. I'm the only one left. We're the only ones left. He roars at her hoarsely, and from the darkness above, his old wretched bird swoops in and takes one of her eyes. She roars just as hoarsely back, blood oozing through her fingers slapped on the bloody hole in the burnt side of her face. He cackles madly as his bird perches on his shoulder, eyes still dangling from its beak. Lightning splinters the sky, and laughter thunders from below us. My first mate grabs her blade, smearing it with her thick blood, and drags it through the flames of the sinking ship. It ignites, and she lunges at the captain, snarling. They cross blades again, and sparks shower down around all three of us. She strikes quickly at first with sharp, even movements. He counters heavily, swinging with power to knock her off balance. 
but she is far from balanced. She meets him blow for blow, never giving an inch. His rage grows with each swipe that doesn't take either her life or mine. Flaming blood drips down onto the deck, pooling and catching on whatever's left to burn. Faster and faster she cuts at him, and faster and faster he meets her. Not content with the death that surrounds us and that waits for us, they battle. Mouths agape with madness, and eyes glowing in the storm, they battle. To save me or kill me in seconds before we're all lost in minutes, they battle. A powder barrel pops behind him, and in the waves I see her again. A beautiful woman. Terrible as the dawn. The ocean herself, with hair like a hurricane, lit by the fires of death itself. Her laughter comes in crushing waves. Lightning flashes purple, turning night to day for one too long, horrible moment. The ship spirals down into the sea. All around us, towering over us, walls of water watch us and laugh. The fires are inside now. Momentum is the only thing holding the ship together. The whirling walls of water come crashing down with a final bursting joyful cry from the ocean. With a great swing, my first mate catches the captain's bird with a cut of her flaming sword and sends it burning down through the decks below. The powder room blows beneath us just as the waves come crashing. fall back against the wall of my supply closet with a start. I drop the book and put my hands on the floor to steady myself. The wood creaks slightly. There's almost an inch of water in here now. Outside, I can hear Madame Hotel's voice. She's laughing at something. Probably something she said. The light's still swinging as water leaks in from above and travels down the chain. My book is trying to float away in the muck. A roach is using it as a little ship of its own. When I grab it, I make sure the roach doesn't fall off into the water again. I think the book is dead, though. Its pages are mushy and mealy. They come away in my hand like rotten flesh when I try to close it. I shrug and set it back into the brownish water. The figures on the cover don't look like they're moving anymore. 
I give it a little tap and watch the roach ride it around my closet. The Hotel was created and produced by Travis McMaster and Mark Witten. Starring Kelly Ninaltowski as the manager. Mark Witten as the lobby boy. Graham Rowett as the owner. And Krista Lewis. Music by Lauren Picorni, West Rodri, and special guest composer Zach Tatum Drake. <laughs> <laughs>